Hey, so Psalm 61, in the Living Bible, I want to read it to you, and I want you to really be encouraged today to press in, to trust God with all your heart. Oh God, listen to me, hear my prayer, for wherever I am, though far away, at the ends of the earth, I cry to you for help. When my heart is faint and overwhelmed, everybody say overwhelmed. Lead me to the mighty towering rock of safety. I love what it says in the King James. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you are my refuge, a high tower where my enemies can never reach me. I shall live forever in your tabernacle. Oh, to be safe beneath the shelter of your wings. For you have heard my vows, O God, to praise you every day, to praise you every day. And you have given me the blessings you reserve for those who revere or reverence your name. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would encourage God, God, those that are overwhelmed today, God. I pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to come. Father, let your anointing break every chain, Lord. God, I pray that you would go into every home, Lord, of every person that's watching via live stream. God, we pray that you go into the iCampus, Lord, and to the overflow, God. And I pray right now, Lord, that you would do a great work in this place and in our hearts. In Jesus' name, I pray, and everyone said. If there's one thing that seems to be prevalent in our world today, is that people feel overwhelmed. No matter who they are, no matter if they're young or old, it seems like there's a sense of being overwhelmed. There's a sense that people everywhere are feeling stretched and stressed to the max. And the truth is, if there's really a good reason to be stressed, it's today. Looking at our world, it seems like people are so overwhelmed. They live in a very complex world, in a very complicated society. We work in stressful workplaces, especially if you live on Long Island and you got to pay Long Island taxes. Man, it is stressful. And, you know, we laugh about it, but it's true because, you know, two people are working. Mom and dad have to work, and they've got to take the kids to school, and they've got to do all these things. And, man, people are stretched to the max. But, but I also believe that we're overwhelmed because it seems like in America we've got too much of everything. I mean, think about it. We've got everything in America. There's too much information. We live in an information world where the, the truth is, the Bible says in the last days that people will be just downloading information in, in incredible ways, ginormous ways in which people are getting information. It's just coming in, just coming in and coming in and hitting us every single day of our lives. There's information coming at us at light speed, information coming from the TV and from the internet and from our iPhones. And wherever you go, there's just too much information coming at us at one time. Some of it's true information, some of it's false information, some of it's inspiring 
information. Some of it's inspired information from the father of lies, and some of it's the philosophies of this world, but it just seems like there's so much information that's happening, coming at us so fast. And the truth is it's coming at us so fast that we can't even process it. And that's why Paul the Apostle tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that we are to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And man, that stuff is being downloaded into our brain so fast that sometimes we can't even process it fast enough to know what is right and what is wrong. Thank God for the power of the Holy Spirit in our life that we can filter some of the garbage that's coming at us so fast, like light speed coming at us. And Paul says to to avoid being confused or to avoid being conformed to this world, we need to have our minds renewed on a daily basis. Too much news, live news, it's coming at us so fast. It's too much, too much killing, too much suffering, too much corruption, too much news. And then there are so many choices. And sometimes they're even good choices. You know, I don't know about you, but when I go to a diner, I get overwhelmed. I mean, when I sit at a diner, a New York diner restaurant, they give me a manual this big. And there's all kind of choices. And here's the funny thing. After I look at all the choices, I go back to the same thing and I eat the same thing every time. It's crazy. It's like, don't even give me the menu. I know what I'm going to get. I look, I'm like, like, you know, let me see if I really feel like having something else. And I get so overwhelmed that I just put it down and say, give me the same thing over and over again. And then, yeah, pasta vazu. Brother, I don't get that in a restaurant. I just get it at home, and don't you try to make it for me either. I've had matzah fazul. I've had Puerto Rican fazul. Listen, make what you do best, all right? Don't make me no curry fazul, all right? No, no. Oh, no, oh, no. Leave it up to my wife to make me the fazul. And then I go shopping. Now, I don't know about you. I know some people, they're good. They go in and they go out. Not me. Oh, no, no. When I go shopping, I got to get the best deal in the house. My wife goes crazy. I mean, I could be looking for a tie, brother, right? And I'll go look and say, well, I like this. Maybe I can get it cheaper somewhere else. I go to another place, another place, another place, another place, another place. By the time I leave the store, I'm so overwhelmed. I need to take a tranquilizer. Like, I just wanted to get a, a tie. I'm, I'm joking on the tranquilizer. Don't, don't, get, don't, don't, send me, don't send me a letter, all right? There's so many choices when you go shop. Did you notice that there's so many choices of toothpaste? How many choices do you need of toothpaste? I mean, there's tartar control. There's one that makes, you know, sensitive teeth and the other one that makes your teeth fall out. I mean, there's all kinds of toothpaste. There's natural toothpaste. There's tartar prevention toothpaste. There's fluoride toothpaste. There's sensitive toothpaste. Then there's underarm deodorant. And there's about 50 different underarm deodorants. And then there's shampoo. There's shampoo for people who dye their hair. There's shampoo that people, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you laugh, right? Because you do it. Right? There's shampoo for people that have bald heads. I don't know what that shampoo's for. It's all kinds of shampoos, right? And then there's cough syrup. Cough syrup. Tons of choices when it comes to cough syrup. One to keep you up. One to put you to sleep. One that has nasal decongestant, one that doesn't have it, one that takes away your headache, one that gives you a headache. I don't know. I mean, did you ever have Tamiflu? It gave me a headache, I'm telling you. And it could really be overwhelming. And then there's too many really important issues that are overwhelming. I mean, we could laugh about all of this, but come on, let's be honest. 
Some people are overwhelmed with student loans. I mean, some of the young people are coming out of college with $100,000 of student loans, and it is overwhelming. Some people are overwhelmed with credit card debt. Some people are just getting by financially, and they're overwhelmed. Some people are overwhelmed by work, just too much, too much, too much work, too many appointments, too much to do, too many pro projects coming at us at one time. Your boss is very demanding like me, and, and you've got all of these responsibilities, and they just seem to get greater and greater, and some people are overwhelmed by their marriage. Come on, let's be honest. Some of you guys are overwhelmed by the conflict that you're having in your marriage. And some of us are overwhelmed by our kids. <laughs> too many places to go, too many doctor appointments, after school clubs and sporting events every single day of the week, even on Sunday. Some people are overwhelmed with their home life responsibility, cooking and cleaning and house repairs. Some people are overwhelmed. They're overwhelmed by their emotional issues in their life. They're overwhelmed with anxiety. They're overwhelmed by stress and self. They're overwhelmed by depression. Just overwhelmed you. Sometimes it just, it just, it's just binding to you. It's tormenting to you. Some of you are overwhelmed with loneliness. Sometimes the, the loneliness just hits you and you're so overwhelmed by it. Or some of you are overwhelmed by past guilt in your life or things that happened to you when you were a child or maybe insecurities or bitterness. The bitterness that gets a hold of you, the grief. Waves of grief. I know what that's like to feel waves of grief when you lose somebody that you love. Like I lost my brother just a couple of years ago, and now we just lost our father-in-law. And Man, it's just like sometimes that grief just, it hits you. It's like being in Long Beach, and you get hit by a wave, and you get knocked down, and you feel like you're, you're just overwhelmed, and you can't, you can't catch your breath because it's just so incredibly overwhelming. Some people are overwhelmed by all of the above. So what do you do when you're overwhelmed? I know some people, they overeat when they're overwhelmed. Some people overindulge in drinking, and drugging and sexing and pornography and sports, whatever it may be. Some people overdo work. They're overwhelmed, so they run to work. Some people overdo church. How do you know when you're overdoing church? When your husband or your wife says, I never see you because you're always at church. Come on, let's be honest. Some people don't want to go home. Because home life overwhelms them. I have to, I've had to tell people in the church, you need to go home. You need to stop volunteering. Because you're volunteering for everything because you're trying to get away from your marriage. You're trying to get away from home. And that's not healthy. Right? So we overindulge in something. Some people overdo trying, just trying harder. Some, some people... You know, they, they, they overdo just doing good things in their lives. It turns out to be something that is out of balance in their life. And God said an, an imbalance is an abomination to God. So what do you do when you're overwhelmed? What do you do when you're overwhelmed with everyday situations in your life? Every day you don't even have time to, to get some breakfast. You just kind of run out the door. You're always getting to work just in the nick of time. Your kids are you know, pulling at you most of the day and maybe somebody that you love is in the hospital, maybe the laundry is piling up, your mother needs you, your husband needs you, your church needs you, your country needs you, your world needs you, and you feel stretched in every way, you're stretched, you're strained, and you're exhausted. And you want to cry, Lord, let the rapture come right now. 
Or maybe you just want to run away. How many of you have ever felt like running away? Let me see your hands. Come on. Yeah, the rest of you are in denial. Come on, you love your family. You love your kids. You love your husband. You love God. You love your church. But there are times when you just want to run away. You want to go to an island. You know, my wife and I, every once in a while when we get overwhelmed, we're like, man, if we could just find that island, just me and you on that island, you know, and some pasta fuzzle. We want to run away when things seem to be unfixable. We want to run away to an island, to that box of chocolate, to that, to that closet where nobody can see us and find us, to that bottle of booze, to that familiar pornographic site because it just, it just takes us away from where we are right now and we want to run away to something. We just want to run away from the problems, from the pain, from the piles of overwhelming circumstances in our life. Elijah, he's a man of God. He's a man of God. And he has an incredible Sunday morning where fire comes down from heaven and consumes his offering and he's vindicated And God shows up in a big way. The next day on a Monday morning, he gets a phone call from his secretary. And his secretary says, hey, Elijah, I want you to know that you got a message from Jezebel. And Jezebel says she's going to kill you. And the Bible tells us that Elijah runs into the desert. He runs into the desert, sits under a tree, and he says, I've just, I've had enough I'm overwhelmed. I'm exhausted with life. I'm exhausted with trying so hard to please God. I'm exhausted with preaching and preaching and God, nobody is with me. You see, when you're exhausted, you feel like nobody is with you. You feel like it's unfixable. You you just want to run away. You want God to take you home. When you're that so overwhelmed, he he wanted to die. But instead of running away from the problems, God wants us to learn how to run to him. What do you do when you're overwhelmed? I'm learning to run to God instead of running away from my problems. I'm learning how to, when I'm overwhelmed, when I'm stressed, right in the middle of my pain, right in the middle of my overwhelming feeling of inadequacy, my overwhelming feeling of insecurity or anger or anxiety and confusion. I'm learning to run to God because he is my very present help in time of trouble. Because he's the rock that's higher than my enemies. He is the shelter in my day of trouble. He's my fortress, he's my shield. He's my refuge, he's my strength, he's my high tower, he's my source, he's my wisdom, he's everything. In fact, I love what David says when he finds himself overwhelmed. And the truth is, there are many times when David is overwhelmed in his life. David is overwhelmed when he's running from his life from Saul. David is overwhelmed when he has to live in one cave after another cave. David is overwhelmed when his son, his son, his flesh and blood is trying to kill him. But I love what David says in Psalm 61. Oh God, listen to me when I pray. 
for wherever I am, I don't have to be in the church. I can be in my car. I can be at work. I can lock myself in my prayer closet. God, wherever I am, though, even if I'm the, I, in the furthest point of the earth, God, and when I cry out for help, God, I pray that you would lead me to the rock that is higher than I. King James says, the rock that is higher than I, the rock that is higher than my enemies, the rock that is too high for me to climb. David is actually saying, it's only by your grace that I can get to that level in my life that I'm not overwhelmed in my life. You see, it's all about grace in our life. It's all about the strength of God in our life. It's all about the spirit of God in our life. God giving us what we need, when we need it, even though we don't deserve it. That's the grace of God in our life. And David is crying out and saying, by your grace, God, I'm going to climb that mountain. I'm going to look down over my enemies, and I'm going to know that even in the midst of the battle, even in in the midst of the most difficult times of my life, I can have victory. Come on, somebody. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Even when you hide me in your sanctuary, then I will lift my head above my enemies and see. Lord, even though the war is raging, there's a place in God that I can find shelter. Hallelujah. There's a place in God that I can find peace again. Glory to God. Lead me to the rock, and that rock is Jesus Lead me, Lord, to yourself. For you, my, you are my refuge, a high tower where my enemies can never reach me, he says. I shall live forever in your tabernacle. Oh, to be safe beneath the shelter of your wings. But this morning, I actually want to give you seven ways. I want you to take out a piece of paper, take out a notebook, take out your smartphone. And I want to give you seven ways that you can overcome Stress, and you can deal with being overwhelmed in your life. Seven keys to peace in your life. Seven keys to victory in your life. And, and we find it in a story that I often refer to. I, lo I love this story. I love Jehoshaphat. I mean, just think about it. If you had a name like Jehoshaphat, dude, like, yo, hey, Joe, Joe Fat, what's up, you know? Yo, Fat, what's up, right? But Jehoshaphat is such a godly man. Now, he wasn't perfect, and he made some tactical, strategic mistakes in his life. He aligned himself with wicked Ahab. That was, that was dumb. You should have never done that, you know? And the prophet comes to Jehoshaphat and tells Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, how can you align yourself to somebody who's walking against God? You can't, you, light and darkness cannot coexist together. You can't walk together. You can't be yoked together with darkness, right? But Jehoshaphat is a godly man. And actually, his father, Asa, was also a godly man, but, you know, made mistakes. Asa made mistakes. Jehoshaphat made mistakes. But, you know, we pick up the story, actually, in 2 Chronicles chapter 17, 18, where Jehoshaphat, he's, he's doing something powerful. He's, he's bringing reformation to the nation of Judah. Israel was, like, far away from God, but Judah had a chance. Mm -hmm. And Jehoshaphat now goes, and the Bible says he goes and visited, he visits the people in all the towns. That's what a good leader does. He's with the people, huh? And the Bible says that Jehoshaphat begins to tear down the Asherah poles and the, and, and, and the idols of Tabaal, and, and he starts to cleanse the temple, and he starts to bring reformation to the people of Judah. He's a godly man. 
And God begins to bless him. The Bible says that Jehoshaphat was so blessed, people brought him gifts, and he was a really wealthy man of God. That's what happens when you put God first. He blesses you unbelievably. The one thing that I did yesterday is I just kind of listened to the scriptures, and I went through Second Chronicles. I, I actually started in the beginning, and I just listened to Chronicles, and, and I listened to it almost to the end. And, and, I, and there's one thing that, that just stands out to me constantly when I'm, when I'm reading Second Chronicles, and, and that is that there are godly men and there are wicked men. And if you look at the godly man, man, it always seems like one way or the other, God blesses that man. God blesses that king. There were wicked kings and there were good kings. And, and the sad thing is the wicked kings, they weren't even buried with the kings. They, they were smitten with diseases and the people didn't even respect them at the end of their lives to, to give them a proper burial. But the king, who was a godly king, changed nations. Godly people changed their world. They changed their world one person at a time. Godly people change their families and they leave a legacy. And Jehoshaphat left a legacy for his son and so on and so on and so on and so on. And not all of his, his sons and, 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 and those that went behind him were godly people. But man, he left such a legacy. And here we find that God is really blessing Jehoshaphat and things are going really well. And watch out, when things are going really well, the enemy is going to come against you. And the Bible says that there were three kings. Let's pick it up. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Sometime later... King James, it says, after this, after what? After Jehoshaphat led the people of God into revival and reformation, the enemy came against him. Anytime you have a great victory in your life, watch out. The enemy is going to try to push against you. But you got to stand firm and know that if you knock the devil down, you got to keep on standing firm. He's going he's to get back up again, and he's going to try to test you to see whether or not you're going to stand firm in the power of his spirit. Notice what it says. Sometime later, the Moabites and the Ammonites accompanied the Menites, joined forces to make war on Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat received this intelligence report. A huge force is on its way from beyond the Dead Sea to fight you. And there's no time to waste. They're already at Hezeron, Tamar, the oasis of En-Gedai. And so Jehoshaphat gets this news. Jehoshaphat's a good king. And after he committed himself to God, the enemy comes against him. And the Bible tells us that he is overwhelmed. Verse 3 says, Jehoshaphat was badly shaken by this news and determined to beg help from the Lord. Second Chronicles chapter 20 tells us what the king did. He didn't deny it. He didn't run away from it. He didn't bury his head in the sand and wish they would just go away. But Jehoshaphat, number one, he acknowledged that he was overwhelmed. And there's nothing wrong with you acknowledging that you're stretched. There's nothing wrong with acknowledging that you're overwhelmed. Sometimes you've got to run to God and say, God, I am undone, Lord God. You know, there's a lot of Christians that live in denial. And the truth is they would never say that they're overwhelmed. They're just too spiritual for that. 
They're looking to impress everybody because they're spiritual giants and they never get overwhelmed. Well, let me give you a news flash. Paul the apostle was so overwhelmed that he didn't want to live. Elijah ran into the desert. Why? Because he was so overwhelmed. Peter came, became overwhelmed. Every man and woman of God in the Bible is going to get overwhelmed. Esther was overwhelmed with the task that God had put before him. It's not wrong to be overwhelmed. It's wrong when you don't do the right thing when you're overwhelmed. Come on. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. So I want to give you the solution to being overwhelmed in your life. I want to give you some practical ways that you can overcome being overwhelmed in your life. And here's what Jehoshaphat did. Number one, I want you to write this down. Run to God first. Everybody say run to God first. You see, we want to run to everyone else before we run to God. When we get overwhelmed, we want to run to the counselor. And there's nothing wrong with counselors. When we're overwhelmed, we want to run to the pastor instead of the master. When we're overrun or overwhelmed with all these problems in our life, we want to run to our financial advisor. We want to run to a psychiatrist. We want to run to the bottle. We want to run to pornography. We want to run to anything that can make us feel better. But friend, I want you to know that you've got to determine when you get overwhelmed that you run to God first. Everybody say, I will run to God first. Look at his immediate reaction. The first thing he did was to turn to God. You see, because the truth of the matter is, is that God does have a plan in the middle of your chaos. God always, God always has a plan. The steps of a righteous man and woman is ordered by God. And God is a sovereign God. He knows what he's doing. God had a plan in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the threat. There's three kings, and it's a really bad situation. God had a plan. He wanted to be glorified. And I want you to know today, when you're going through a difficult time in your life, stand firm. Look up your redemption. Draw it nigh. God has a plan for your life. Hallelujah. God has a plan to take you through the valley. God has a plan to make you climb that mountain. God has a plan for you to be victorious because he wants to be glorified through your life. Come on, somebody say, God has a plan for my life. Glory to God. Jesus is in the boat. He's sleeping. A storm comes and the disciples are overwhelmed. And instead of going to Jesus, he's right there. He's right in the boat. I mean, he's sleeping, but he's in the boat. But instead, they tried to bail themselves out. Jesus was right there. They tried to bail themselves. And I wonder how many times Christians, he's right there. Jesus is right there. But we really don't believe. Come on, let's be honest. We really don't believe that Jesus can meet that financial need in our life. So we run to someone else. Jesus is right there. When we get bad news about what's happening in our life, maybe physical situation, we, we run, we run. Now, I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't go to the doctor. I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't go for counseling. But I am suggesting the first place you go is to God. And I wonder if we would make a practice of going to God first. I wonder if we wouldn't have more miracles and testimonies in our life. Come on, somebody. He knows what's happening right now in your life. Can you imagine the scene? Jesus is in the boat and the disciples are in full-blown panic attack. Maybe God is allowing the situation in your life because he wants you to stop relying on other things. 
and start relying more on him. Prayer should be the first thing we do when we're overwhelmed and not the last resort in our life. Oh, some people say, well, the only thing we can do now is pray. <laughs> the only thing we can do now is pray. That's all we got left. We tried everything else. We tried the doctor. We tried the lawyer. We tried the counselor. We tried everything else in our humanness to do whatever we could do to get us out of this. And now all we got is God left. That's all we got is God. <laughs> hmm? Before you do anything else, make sure that you're in God's will first. Read the word first. Fill your heart and your mind with God's word first. Make sure that you've prayed first and you've sought the Lord first. You see, I, I, I'm convinced that so many of us, we just are out of the will of God in our life, and that's why we find ourselves in this mess. And so we've got to determine, is God first? Are we in the will of God in this situation? Number two, when you're overwhelmed, gather your friends together to pray. Notice what Jehoshaphat does. Look, look what he does next. Okay, so, so he cries out to God, God, I'm overwhelmed, and he runs to God first. And then after he runs to God, he runs to his friends that are godly people. The Bible says there's power. When two or three gather together in his name, there's power, right? And so we are to gather our friends together, those that are godly people, and we're to ask them to pray. Notice what Jehoshaphat does. Look what he says. He says, he announced that everyone in Judah should fast during the special time and pray to God. And the people of Judah came together to ask the Lord for help, and they came from every town in Judah. I love this. I love this. Jehoshaphat went to his one group and said, guys, man, I got some bad news. And that's why I want to tell you that every one of you in this room you should have no excuse to be in a one group. Everyone should be in a life-giving community one group where we are praying together. Because when I have a problem in my life, the first people I go to is my one group friends. And we share together. In fact, every single time we have a one group, there are two things that I ask my group. One is what do you have to celebrate right now? I, I ask them two C's. What are you celebrating and what is your greatest challenge? And then we pray together because I believe with all my heart that God is honored when people come together and they pray. There is power when we pray together. The, the prayer of agreement is very powerful where two or three are gathered together in my name. I am in their midst. And if you've got God in the middle of your problem, your problem's going to be solved. Come on, somebody say amen. Glory to God. So gather your friends to pray. When you're faced with overwhelming situations in your life, tell your family it's time to pray. Jesus tells us that when we pray, something happens. I, I noticed this in the scriptures. When they came together, the Bible says that they were in one accord, in one place, and the power of the Holy Spirit came. That's why next week, 175 to 200 of us are getting on buses and we're going to Washington, D.C., and we're going to the Bible Museum, and then we're going to the Lincoln Memorial, and we're gonna gather around the Lincoln Memorial, and we're gonna pray for our country. Why? Because I believe prayer changes things. Come on, somebody. 
I believe that if we pray, if we seek the face of God, here's what we learn in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, that if we turn to God and if we pray together, if we pray as a nation, and that's what we need to do more than anything else, is we need to pray. I know that we want to criticize our president, and I know we want to criticize Congress, but you know, the Bible tells us that we're to pray for those that are in authority. Why did we stop praying for the president? Why? Because we don't like him. The Bible tells us whether you like him or not, your job is to pray for the president. Come on, somebody. Come on, let's get biblical again. Let's put prayer in action. Why Why are we seeing things fall apart? Because we're angry. And when we get angry, we gossip. When we're angry, we say things that we shouldn't say. And you've all said it. You've all said it because I'm seeing stuff that you're writing on Facebook. Come on, somebody. And, and we're getting in the flesh now instead of trusting God and believing God for our country. The Bible says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked way, seek my face, then they will hear from heaven. Friend, it's time to gather together and pray. It's time to gather together and pray in our one groups. Hallelujah. I want you to begin to pray in your one groups. In fact, we're going to go through a 40-day journey in the summertime called 40 Days of Prayer, where we're going to gather together in the summertime. You say, why in the summertime? Because we're going to take off from Grow University for six weeks. And we're going to get together in small groups, and we're going to pray together. And we're going to see what God does. How many of you believe in prayer? Come on, let me see. How many of you really believe in prayer? Well, listen, it's time. It's time to pray. Number three, I love this. But Jehoshaphat doesn't just call people to pray. Notice what he does. He calls a fast. And so when you're overwhelmed and when you've prayed about something, when you've asked your friends to pray and nothing is changing, well, you got to do what Daniel did. Set your heart to fast for a breakthrough. You need to step up your spiritual attack against your spiritual enemy by fasting. Shaken, Jehoshaphat prayed. He went to God for help and ordered a national fast. Jesus said, this kind does not come out without prayer and fasting. Okay, you prayed. You called your friends together, but there's still a powerful resistance from the enemy. Step it up in, in fasting. See, because there are going to be some problems in your life that are not going to go away until you fast and pray. I mean, until you step it up and press in and say, God, I'm believing you and I need to die to my unbelief. You see, what happens when you begin to fast and pray is you die to your unbelief. You align yourself spiritually. You get yourself in that zone. When I'm fasting, I'm in a zone with God. I mean, things happen. He begins to change my attitude. He begins to change the way I see things. I begin to read the word more. Something happens. I mean, it just, I get in this zone when I'm fasting and praying that I've got more faith than when I'm not fasting and praying. I get in this zone where I'm hearing from God more in his word. The spirit of God is working in my life. And there are times when you're going to encounter situations in your life that is so far beyond yourself and so far beyond human reach. It's a spiritual attack from the enemy. This was a spiritual attack from the enemy. And Jehoshaphat, an Old Testament king, had more 
more understanding than New Testament believers did that when he gets down to pray and believe God and when he has to step it up, he steps it up and fasting, something's going to happen in the spiritual realm. Just like Dan, Daniel who fasted and prayed for 21 days and then he had a breakthrough. He said, hey, I'm going to fast, I'm going to pray. The angel comes 21 days later and said, Daniel, from the moment that you started the fast, there was a spiritual war that was happening in the spiritual realm and, and I was sent to help because this spirit was so powerful that I had to come and defeat the spirit. And let me tell you, if you begin to pray and you begin to fast and you begin to believe God, the victory is yours in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen, glory to God. I'm believing it. But then when you're fasting, you're not begging God because number four, I want you to write this down, pray faith prayers, not pity party prayers. I've heard some people pray, and that's not praying. That's complaining. I've heard some people pray, but that's not prayer. That's giving the enemy more tools to work with. It's kind of like, oh, Lord, if it be thy will, Lord God, save my husband. Listen, the Bible already says it's God's will for your husband to be saved. Come on, somebody. If it's thy will, Lord, give us revival. No, no, no. It is God's will. To, you need to find a scripture. You need to find the promise in the word of God. And then you need to lock into that and say, this is what you said in your word, God. It is your word, God. And as a result of that, I'm praying the prayer of faith. I'm not praying, Lord, please. I'm not begging God. I'm reminding God of who he is. Listen, here's what Jehoshaphat does. Check this out. This is so, so powerful. These are men of God who are praying faith prayers. Notice what Jehoshaphat does. He says three things. Are you not? Have you not? Will you not? Everybody say with me. Have you not? Or are you not? Are you not? Have you not? Will you not? Say it again. Are you not? Have you not? Will you not? Turn your neighbor right now and say, is he not? Has he not? Will he not? Look what it says in verse 5. Listen. The people of Judah and Jerusalem met in front of the new courtyard in the temple of the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood up and he said, Lord God of our ancestors, you are the God of heaven. Everybody say, you are the God of heaven. You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations, and you have power and strength, so no one can stand against you. Jehoshaphat declares in verse 5, are you not the God of heaven? Are you not the creator of the universe? Are you not the ruler over every kingdom? Are you not all powerful and filled with all strength? And who can stand against you? Wow, that's faith praying. God, are you not powerful? Come on, remind God how powerful he is. Come on. It's actually reminding yourself how powerful God is. He knows how powerful he is. Verse seven, notice, notice. So are you not? Verse seven, Jehoshaphat said, did you not? Our God, you forced out the people who lived in this land as your people Israel moved in and you gave this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham. They live in this land and built a temple for you. Listen to me. When you're overwhelmed with life, stop and remember. Stop and remember. Remind God, are you not? But then remember what God has already done. God, did you not deliver us 
Lord, did you not dispossess the people of the land and give your people this land as an inheritance? God, did you not do these things? You need to go back and remember what God has already done. God, did you not deliver me from drugs and alcohol? Did you not deliver me from depression? Did you not save me, oh God? Did you not change me? Did you not transform me? Did you not provide for me in the past? Glory to God. When I'm overwhelmed financially, I look back and say, hallelujah I've been young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous begging for bread or received deceived in any way to think that God cannot do it you need to remind God you need to remind yourself that God has been faithful in the past how many of you have a testimony of the faithfulness of God in your past come on somebody hallelujah Woo! when I start to get overwhelmed I I remember, oh my God, you've been, you've been so good to me, God. Lord, I had a tough childhood, but Lord, out of my tough childhood, you gave me a story of grace, Lord God. Lord, when I was 19 years old, I remember I came to this altar. I gave my life to you, Lord. I committed my whole life to you. I got married at 20 years old. We didn't have anything. We didn't have anything. We didn't, I didn't even have a job when I got married. My good friend Angelo said, you're crazy to get married. 34 years later, God has never denied me. God has never forsaken me. I've always had bread on my table. God has blessed me, blessed me, blessed me, used me, used me, used me. I look back in my life and say, God, you've been so good. Why should I be so overwhelmed when I remember? Remember what you've done. God, are you not? Have you not? <laughs> but then we've got to remind them, God, will you not? Hallelujah. Verse 8 and 9. They said, if trouble comes upon us or war or punishment or sickness or hunger, we will stand before you and before this temple. This is Solomon, his father. Solomon, a godly man, he builds the temple. He sacrifices bulls and goats and rams. And he prays to his God. And the glory of God comes down. And Solomon says, oh God, when we're overwhelmed, when we don't know what to do, but we turn our face toward your temple, Lord, you will hear us. And you will deliver us. And you need to stand up and say, God, are you not the God who can do all things? Are you not powerful? Have you not already done these things, God? Will you not do these things according to your word? Hallelujah. You need to lock in on some promises of God. You need to write them down on a three-by-five card. You need to put them on your wall. You need to pull them out when you get overwhelmed and say, this is your word, God. You said that you'd save my son. Or my daughter, God, you said that you'd send revival. By your stripes, I am healed, oh God. You said that you would provide for me because my God shall supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. God, you are not only the God who is in heaven and you have not only done things in the past, but today, you're a today God. You're a today God, hallelujah. You're a God, you're a now God, hallelujah. I'm not living in the past, I'm living today believing God tomorrow is gonna be a good day, hallelujah. Woo! I got to do this two more times this morning. I need some help. If you clap and scream, it gives me time to get my breath. Hallelujah. Hey, listen, be easy on me today. Be easy on me today. Give me some fuel today. Give me some fuel today. Come on, give me some fuel today. Come on. Hey. 
let me tell you. Last night, last night, it was 11.15, and I'm ironing my clothes. I did some work around, you know, I painted for my daughter-in-law, came home, did some stuff. It's 11.15, I'm, I'm ironing my clothes. I ran into the bedroom, I said, honey, it's not 11.15, it's 12.15. Oh my God, I gotta get to bed. I jumped in the bed, and I, wide awake. Come on, give me some fuel, come on. I didn't get a whole lot of sleep last night. I didn't get a whole lot of sleep last night. Mm. Mm. Fifthly, write this down. Fifthly, write this down. So you run to God first. You call your friends together. You go a little deeper and you fast and you pray. You remind God who he is and you pray faith prayers. Are you not? Have you not? Will you not? And then you keep your eyes fixed on God. I love this. You keep your eyes fixed on God. You know, when it talks about keeping your eyes fixed on God, what is it talking about? It's talking about keeping your mind fixed on God. In the scriptures, the mind, the eye is same thing. What he's talking about is forcing your mind to stay fixed on his word. Because if you don't force your mind to stay fixed on, your word, on his word, that's why we need to pray and read the word every day, every day, every day. I'm praying I'm believing. How many of you are reading through the New Testament with me? Come on, let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Let me see. Less hands each week. Less hands. Come on. Catch it up. Catch it up. Catch it up. You got to stay in the Word every day. You got to force yourself. Shut the TV off. Shut the radio off. Read the Word. Get in the Word. Let the Word just get into you. See, see if you keep your eyes fixed on the Lord in the time of trouble, he'll keep you safe. Be anxious about nothing, but with prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Whatsoever things are pure and good and just and righteous, these things think on, think, think, keep your eyes on the Lord. Notice what Jehoshaphat does. And now here are the people of Ammon. He's praying to the Lord, Moab and Mount Seir whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us as an inheritance. Oh God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude. Jehoshaphat realizes he's way over his head. No way is he going to win with human might. He's got three armies that are lined against him. He doesn't have enough men. He doesn't have enough power. There's no way in the world he's going to win this battle in the flesh. And I want to tell you, God will allow that to happen in your life. You get angry at God because God gives you a situation that's way beyond yourself. But God always gives us situations that are way beyond ourselves. Why? Because he wants to be glorified through your life. He wants, to, he wants you to pray for a miracle because miracles always glorify God. Look, see what God did. I couldn't do it myself. I was on my sickbed. God raised me up. Financially, I was in a hole, but God pulled me out. Hallelujah. My marriage was a mess. That's a testimony of the goodness of the Lord when you're beyond yourself. But I love what he says. Look what he says. He says, we are beyond our power. This multitude, this great army is, is, that is coming against us is so powerful. We do not 
have the answer in the flesh. Friends, we don't have the answer for this country in the flesh. We don't have the answer to this problem in our life. But notice what he says. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Lord, I'm powerless. I'm at the end of my rope. Lord, I don't even know what to do. My enemies are too strong. There's no way to defeat them. Listen to me. This is actually a great place to be in your life. But my eye is on you, Lord. We're not looking to the right. We're not looking to the left. We're focused on you. We're keeping our focus on you. Not on our problems, but on God. You're not in denial. You just know that God is the answer. Hallelujah. You're not in denial. Jehoshaphat wasn't in denial. Notice, he said it. He said, my armies, the armies that are coming against us are too great. But my eyes on you. We're powerless, but my eyes on you. She's not in denial. I know some Christians, they don't even want to say it. No, 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 no. I'm not going to say it because if I say it, I'm going to claim something. No, he wasn't in denial, but he knew that God was greater than the situation. Number six, listen to godly, spirit-filled, accountable men and women of God. You need to get some godly people around you. Listen to me. You can't soar like an eagle when you hang around turkeys. And some of you, the only people that you got around you is negative, negative, negative people. You need to put some godly people in your life. That's why you need to be a part of a one group. You need to find somebody that's filled with faith. And you need to let them rub off on you. You need to get godly people around you. Some of you are hanging around with ungodly people. No wonder you're so depressed and overwhelmed. Because they don't have any good news for you. Only godly people have good news for you. Only godly people have accurate news for you. Only godly people can encourage you in the Lord. And the Bible says that we are to encourage one another in the Lord. That's why you desperately need to be in a small group. Get some godly mentors in your life. Seek counsel from godly people. I do it all the time. Notice what it says, verse 14. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehezahel. And he said, listen, all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem... And you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord your God, do not be afraid, don't be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, it is God's. Tomorrow go down against them, and they will surely come up to the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerel. And you will not need to fight this battle. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Notice the counsel to Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, because you already did your part, because you chose to run to God first, you fasted and prayed, because you did your battling on your knees, you will not have to pick up a sword You will not have to raise a shield. You will not have to do anything in the flesh, but stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Why does God tell them, Jehoshaphat, that the battle is not his, but it's the Lord's? Because listen to me, look at me. Some some Christians don't do anything. They just want to claim that scripture. The battle is the Lord's. I'm not doing anything. Let me ask you a question. Did Jehoshaphat do nothing? He did everything. He aligned himself up with God. He did everything. He ran to God first. He did his fighting on his knees. He went into his spiritual closet and fasted 
and prayed. He did war. Do you know why the battle was already won? Because it was already won. <laughs> it was a spiritual battle. And Jehoshaphat did his warring on his knees so that when he went out to the battle, the battle was already determined because he had prayed faith prayers. Hallelujah. So they positioned themselves. How did they position themselves? After they had prayed, after they had run to God, after they had believed God, the man of God said, stand still, don't panic. Stand still, don't run all over the place looking for answers. Stand still, don't start employing human tactics from human wisdom. Stand still, having begun in the spirit, don't try to do it in the flesh. Stand still, know he is God. Stand still. And, the begin, and, and, and all I want you to do is begin to give God praise. Worship God in the beauty of his holiness. Shout with a voice of triumph and pro- proclaim your victory. Listen to me. Number seven. This is it. Let's wrap it up. Here it is. I'm landing the plane. Worship team, come out to give everybody hope that I'm actually ending. Listen to me. Learn. Learn. Look at me. Look at me. As Pastor Henry says, Lift your head up, lift your head up, lift your head up, so you can have a smashing day. (laughs) Lift your head up. Learn to praise God in every situation. Learn to praise God. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of being overwhelmed. So they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa, and they went out, and Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Here's a godly man. Believe his prophets. Believe the godly men, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with his people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness and they went out before the armies and were saying praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever now when they began to sing and praise here it is spiritual weapon when they began to sing and praise oh God you're so wonderful I want to sing that song no one can stop the Lord. The first one you did, right? Was that the first one? Yeah. Did she do a great job? This team is amazing. 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 Now, when they began to praise the Lord, check it out. Check it out. The enemy started to fight against one another. Listen to me. Look at me right now. Look, right now. The Holy Spirit gave me something yesterday. I want to give it to you. It's really good. When you begin to praise God in the midst of your overwhelming situation. When you begin to praise the Lord, when the doctor tells you you've got cancer, when you begin to praise the Lord when your marriage is going south, when you begin to, when you say, I will praise God no matter what's going on in my life, I will give him glory, I will praise him with my own lips. Listen to me. It confuses the devil. I'm telling you, listen to me. You know why it confuses the devil? Because the devil knows what to do when you complain. 
The devil knows what to do when you feel sorry for yourself. The devil knows what to do when you begin to blame other people. The devil knows what to do when you throw yourself a pity party. He starts to say, yes, amen, amen, amen. You're no good. You're worthless. You're going to die. He knows exactly what to do when you give him bad news. But when you shout to God, when you raise your voice, when you say, Lord Jesus, I praise you, it confuses the devil. He doesn't know what to do. He starts to run around. He starts to kill his own people. He starts to get so angry at you. I don't know what to do with this guy. I don't know what to do with this guy. I don't know. He's not complaining. He doesn't feel sorry for himself. He's not in a pity party. He's praising the Lord anyway. And he gets so mad. The devil gets so mad that he tries to find some demons to punch them out. Listen to me, he gets so angry, he starts to fight against himself. How do I know that's true? Because the Bible says, Jehoshaphat's enemies, they got so mad, they got so confused, that they killed each other. And now the people of God, listen to me, and now the people of God are marching. I was at the Dead Sea. And it, it's a very, 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 very low point. And the armies of God are holding up their hands. And they're worshiping the Lord. And they're praising the Lord. And in the spirit, God sends an ambush. And he begins to confuse the enemy. And the enemy is so confused that they kill each other. And now check this out. This is the best. And then the armies of God, they go in. And it takes them three days to pick up all the spoils of the enemy. Three days. Check them out. They're worshiping the Lord. There's all this fighting going on, right? They all kill themselves. They're all lying on the floor. Come on, come on. Come on, give me, come over here. Come over here. There, come over here. Lie down on the floor. Lie down on the floor right here. Just lay down on the floor. Laying on the floor, dead, dead, dead. Laying on the floor. No, 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 you're dead. And they go over. Oh, yeah, look at this watch, baby. Oh, nice. Woo, look at this watch. I can't get it off. You, you got to get up. Get up in the name of you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Woo, look at this watch. Look at these shoes, man. Woo, yeah, man. Look at these shoes. Hallelujah. I like these shoes. Oh, oh, I got some shoes. Yeah, oh, a wallet, too. Hallelujah. Woo. Oh, yeah, what else you got there, brother? Oh, a phone. A phone. It's a, it, stay dead, stay dead. It, Pastor Henry, it took him three days to collect all the spoils. Three days. Look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm telling you, the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. And man of God, man of God, man of God, woman of God. You stand firm. You trust God. You praise the Lord. The spoils are coming. The victory is coming. And no matter what happens, Alice, the spoils are coming. Hallelujah. The spoils are coming, Alice. Hallelujah. 
told you the spoils are coming. They're coming, hallelujah. The blessings of God are coming on your life, hallelujah. The blessings of God are coming on your life. The blessings of God are coming on your life. The blessings of God are coming. The spoils are coming. The spoils are coming. It's coming. It's coming. The spoils are coming. The blessings are coming. The blessings are coming. Hallelujah. Look at me. Raise your hands. Blessings are coming. The blessings are coming. You've been in this battle for a long time. But you've been praising the Lord. You've been believing God. And the blessings are coming. Your kids are coming home. Your husband's getting saved. Your children are going to be godly children. Hallelujah. The healing is coming. Your healing is coming. Your strength is coming. Your God is on his way. Stand firm. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord. Come on, just begin to praise him. Praise the Lord with me right now. Praise the Lord with me right now. Come on. Come on, praise the Lord with me. Praise the Lord with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Come on. Come on. Say thank you, Lord. The spoils are coming. The spoils are coming. The victory is coming. It's on its way. It's on its way. It's on its way. While your head's about and your eyes are closed, maybe you're here today and just say, Pastor, I'm not certain if I died today, I'd go to heaven. And I need Jesus to be my savior today. I need to get right with God. I need freedom in my life. I want you to raise your hand right now. Anybody in this room say, yes, I need freedom. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I want you, I want you, you raise your hand today. You know, the Bible says where to call for the elders of the church and where to pray. Maybe you're, you're overwhelmed with grief today. Whatever it is, I need freedom today. Or I just need to give my life to Jesus. I want you right now, if you raised your hand, if you didn't raise your hand, but you need to get right with God today, I want you to slip out of your seat. We don't have a lot of time. Come on, just obey me. Just believe me when I'm telling you. Get out of your seat right now if you raised your hand. Come on, come on, come on. Get out of your seat quickly. You gotta quickly move. You gotta quickly move. Come on, come on. Just get out of your seat. Come on. Say, yes, Lord. 
Yes, Lord, I want to get right with you today. Come on, get out of your seat quickly. Quickly, we don't have a lot of time. We don't have time is going. Anybody else, you need to come today. You're here today, and we're going to pray for you today. You say, Pastor, I've got an overwhelming situation in my life. Overwhelming situation in my life. You give me seven points, seven steps, but I need somebody right now to agree with me in prayer over those seven steps. I need to be strong. I want you to get out of your seat. Come on, quickly. Come on, come on. Hurry, hurry, because the service is moving, and we got to have another crowd coming in. They're waiting already to come in. Anybody else? Quickly, come on. Come on, quickly, come on, come on, find somebody to pray with. Come on, go find somebody to pray with right now. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. This is your moment. This is your moment. This is your moment. This is your time. This is your time. Come on, come on, come on, come on, quickly. Get out of your seat. This is your moment. This is your time to be prayed for. This is your time to agree with God in prayer. All right, I want you to take the person next to you. I want you to put your hand on their shoulder right now. Come on, all over this place. Put your hand on their shoulder. Put your hand on their shoulder. Let's be prayer warriors. Listen, I didn't preach my guts out today for you to go home and forget this message. So I want you to pray right now. I want you to start to pray for your neighbor right now. Come on. And I want you to pray this prayer. You ready? Here here we go. I want you to pray this prayer. Father, bless my brother or sister. Lord, when they get overwhelmed, help them to employ these seven keys to victory in their life keep them strong keep them focused help them to believe the blessings coming the blessings coming it's on its way I pray blessing over their life thank you Jesus the battle is not mine it belongs to you in Jesus name in Jesus name amen Come on, give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah.